This is Marla Randolph. Welcome to the Great Boomer Challenge. Today, my guest is Louise Holtzauer. Louise is an experienced counselor, wife, and mother of two grown children. She lives in Florida with her husband, Greg, and her dog, Maggie. She has a couple of master's degrees from Reformed Theological Seminary, and she is a licensed therapist. Perhaps her most important credential is surviving a life-and-death battle with cancer at the age of 21. That journey taught her a lot about dark days, painful problems, and God's love. Louise enjoys leading small groups, writing devotionals, spending the summer months in Michigan, reading nonfiction, and babysitting her three amazing grandchildren, sometimes all at once. She writes a lot of things, and you can read some of them on her website at DearChristianCounselor.com. Describe what your thinking was like on racial issues before your realization or awakening to the reality of the full extent of racial inequality in America. Yeah. It, for the most part, I didn't think about it at all. Um, I grew up in a small town in central Illinois, and there were no Black people who lived in that town. So the only time I ever saw Black people was when I visited my grandmother in Chicago, and she certainly didn't have any close relationships with people of color. So really, um, honestly, up through high school, I didn't know anyone from a background different than mine. I didn't, I don't remember learning about Black history or anything along those lines. We, we were having some integration issues um, during my time in high school, but those played out at the public school across the city, not, not at my public school. So even though I heard about it, it was mostly in the context of, oh, there's some horrible people making a lot of trouble across town. And as a high schooler, that I, didn't, I had no idea what any of that was about. Right. So, yeah, I um, to the extent that I did think about it, I really just thought racial issues had been solved back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And since we had changed the laws and I had observed a few people of color having good jobs or appearing in the public eye. I figured it was all in the past. Mm -hmm. And that's how I treated it. I didn't think about it at all. Yeah. I think we have a lot in common in that respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With a lot of other people too. Yes. Right. So would you say you thought you had the answers and didn't consider yourself racist? Or did you easily put racial issues out of your mind? Or I think it was the latter. I, I certainly didn't consider myself racist. I clearly recall on two separate occasions at conferences I, that I was attending, um, I was asked to take part in an exercise to apologize to someone of color. And as hard as I tried, I, I don't remember what kind of educational resources there were for us in these conferences. I don't feel like it was much. And I really couldn't figure out why or how to apologize because I did not think that I had done anything wrong. 
So I was able to, in one case, I was able to offer a half-hearted apology based on the fact that I have ancestors who were slaveholders. At the time, I didn't realize what that meant for me. I just said, okay, my family was a partaker in this somehow. So as a representative of my family, I will offer this half-hearted apology that I don't really understand. And at the other conference, I was just mad. How, How dare they make me do this exercise when I'm not a racist person? Right. Sure. So for... For by and large, I mean, decades and decades, I never thought about it at all. And when I was asked to think about it, I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about the awakening process. I mean, I know that it's, there's subconscious things going on in all of us, I think. But when did you first become aware that you were beginning to change or needed to be transformed? (laughs) Uh, approximately five years ago, a very close friend of mine, her daughter adopted uh, a black child. And I won't say that I really, that that changed my world much, but she started talking about it and reading books about it, which just made me a little bit curious. What's this experience going to be like? Um, probably as a result of that, it was so long ago and I don't really remember, but I think it was a result of those conversations with her. I picked up ta Coates book, uh, Between the World and Me, which was on the bestseller list at the time. Um, I, I tell you, I have, I have told this story to so many people and I've never had one other person say, yes, that was the book that did it for me. <laughs> But for whatever reason, I think it was just God's timing in my life. Um, it was explosions and light bulbs. And <laughs> I, I realized there was something there and I couldn't have even articulated it. That was really important that I had never understood before. At the end of that book, he offers no suggestions. He's fairly pessimistic. He basically says, I don't think we can fix this. So it would be easy to leave that saying, well, what do I do? What do I do? Now you've opened my eyes and what do I do? But when I left that book, my impression was what you want me to do is listen. You're not giving me anything to do because you want me to sit and listen, which I've never done before. Never. From that point on, I I mainly started reading things. I I had no people of color in my life at all. Wasn't like I could sit down and ask a friend to talk to me about this issue. So um, John Perkins was very formative. I read Let Justice Roll Down, which is a story of his life and ministry. Mm-hmm. And then another book called One Blood. Uh, that's also by John Perkins. Uh, Melba Patillo wrote a book called, I think it's Warrior of Faith. Um, she was one of the children in Little Rock who integrated that high school back when, mm. I mean, you'll see, you see pictures of the dogs and the policemen surrounding her. So 
uh, just beginning to understand some of that history, some of which took place while I was alive, but I just I knew nothing about it at all. So, yes, and, and many, many, many other things, just hungry to listen. Mm. And just so people know, you and I have known each other since <laughs> July 3rd, to be exact, 1992. I remember that because we were moving into our house in, or- in Altamont Springs, outside mm-hmm. of Orlando, and you came up the walk with a fresh-baked loaf of bread. Uh, and an invitation to, I believe it was lunch the next day for July 4th or, or dinner. Um, we were cooking out at your house. So it was just delightful to have someone. We had been, uh, I felt wrenched away from our home in Atlanta. <laughs> and um, so to have someone be so welcoming was just huge. So I'm so glad. Oh, it was just it was <laughs> such a huge thing. So we've known each other that long. And even though we haven't been in constant contact during all that time, I've known you and Greg for that long. So um, I'm curious, what uh, was Greg tracking along the same lines as you or was he reading the same things, thinking the same thoughts or? He wasn't in the beginning. As I mentioned, I think it was about five years ago that I really started on this journey. Then about Three years ago, I believe, I led a summer book group for some women friends of mine and, again, just started learning all kinds of new things that I was really excited about. And so I started talking with him about what I was learning. Um, I think he was immediately on board, but in terms of educating himself, he's kind of following behind me. We're we're both uh, members of multiple groups now having to do with racial reconciliation. So we're, we're both learning things and sharing things uh, every day. Mm. I, the reason I say that is because I turn to my husband, Steve, all the time and just say, I am so thankful that mm-hmm. we're on the same page. Yes. Because coming from the backgrounds that we both come from, it mm-hmm. could easily be completely different. Absolutely. And so I'm so thankful, so grateful. I have friends who are not on the same page, and that's very difficult. We've had some uncomfortable conversations, but if that was my husband, it, it would be, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that I would be where I am now if he wasn't on this journey too. Sure, exactly. So, yeah. So tell me about other events, um, people in your life, Mm -hmm. books you've read. I know you have an amazing list of books, podcasts, speakers, friends, and so forth. But tell me about friends, family, and so forth who've uh, positively influenced you during this Yeah. Well, uh, my friend Dawn, she and I lead a group at our church together based on racial reconciliation, and she was the one who kind of walked with me or possibly even got me started on this journey. Um, We've read a lot of the same books. We've been in a lot of the same book groups, small groups together, discussing these things. Um, We are both visiting uh, a Black church that we love dearly. Um, so it's been wonderful to have her support and 
her just speaking in to my life as we're going down this path. So she, that's been very formative. Um, I will say that one of the best things I did in terms of educating myself was to join the Be the Bridge Facebook group. They require three months of silence when you join their group. You can't say anything. Um, it's all online. And, but you walk through a, a, a quite a, a long curriculum that takes you into different areas of Black history and Black experience. Um, and it was very extensive, but just wonderful for reframing and reshaping my view of the history of the United States and racial relations in particular. Yeah. It's amazing how everything ties together. <laughs> There's really yep. no end to things as we think there was. Absolutely. But you go from, you one, know, yeah. Mm. When, when I, mentioned to you that my ancestors owned slaves. I, I really only knew of one ancestor that owned any slaves. And she, as I thought, married out of that lifestyle and moved up north. And that was pre-Civil War. Well, come to find out virtually all of my ancestors on both sides of my family owned slaves. My sister has um, been... Well, she has submitted her DNA to be used by uh, Black families if they want to use it to see what their ancestry might be, because my family probably had a lot to do with that. Mm. But what I didn't understand about that is I am still benefiting from that legacy. Mm. Not that I want to be, but I am. Mm -hmm. Generations of massive wealth um, came from that whole economic system that has benefited my family for hundreds of years now. Right. Yeah, that's hard. That's uh, really hard to grapple with. Steve's, Steve's doing the same thing right now and mm-hmm. grappling with that. And that's yeah. staggering. When you think about all the free labor Absolutely. Well, yes, not only that, but when you think you probably have black relatives and how that came about. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I um, have a a framed picture at my home. It's a print, but it's one of the earliest uh, depictions of a farm, a working farm in America. And it's a farm that my family owned back in the 1700s. Um, And I've always loved that picture. It's done in a very primitive style with bright colors, but it was only very, very recently that I looked at that picture with new eyes and there are slaves in the field at that farm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Mm. It's a lot to, to grapple with. I, you know, <laughs> I seem to sort of have one focus at a time. Thank goodness. I think it would be too much to really take in um, were it all to just hit me at once. But that's that's been something recently my sisters and I have been oh. talking about. Wow. 
I'm sure you're thankful for those conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's been another formative influence. I, I will say the Black church that we have started attending has been fabulous, and I hope to dig in there more than I am right now. But there's been so much that's been greatly encouraging about the how welcomed we have been there, just taking part in services and activities. That's sort of the flip side in terms of, I don't know, it feels kind of redemptive. Yeah. Yes. There's, and I don't know if you found this to be the case, but in the one where we are now, there's so much joy and um, there's one woman in particular who's taken great interest in my podcast and she's actually been really good about uh, advising me just saying, you know, you don't really want you want to have enough white people who are your age who are telling you what they've learned so that other baby boomers will hear it mm-hmm. and say, okay, uh, I'm getting it. I'm understanding that they're learning as well. You know, you don't want to just have black people on there, you know, so mm-hmm. that's been good, but you know, she, she's just been so welcoming and so helpful. Yes. So loving. Um, but then there's also been the aspect of people just not feeling oppressed when they're there. You know, there's just such a sense of joy mm-hmm. on Sundays. And and I was talking to her about, I said, you know, I did one like this week on Christian nationalism. And she said, what's that? And I said, oh, I'm so glad you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really sick of it. And I'm glad you don't know what it is. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. So anyway, but so Louise, did you go through a period of guilt, grief, confession? Mm -hmm. I don't think this is linear. I have been Mm -hmm. through multiple periods of grief and even guilt. Although my black pastor friend has told me that is not what I need to be feeling. Uh, But Yes, and there's a, an incredible website called uh, repentanceproject.org. I don't know if you're familiar with that. What? It's got devotionals, it's got history, and it's uh, it has some sample statements on it that can help lead you toward repentance and apology. Um, so I did. I went through their Lenten devotional last year. It's called an American Lent, and it takes you step by step through um, racial issues in America throughout our history, with a focus on repentance. And that was very, very helpful. John Perkins' book uh, that I've led several times, One Blood, has a whole chapter on repentance. Every time I do that, every time I write out my own repentance or read someone else's or hear someone else's, it it kind of penetrates another layer deeper, I feel. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I want to stay in that place. I think if I ever forget 
that I need to be humble and repentant, then I've gone off track somewhere. Well, I agree with you. I think that, oh, yes, and in this podcast and in the things that I, I do, I have to be in the posture of a lifelong learner. Yes. Absolutely. Always. So, yes, and, and, and one of humility because it's, it's really, <laughs> yeah, that's the only place to, to be in this. So I agree with you. You, um, I liked how you phrased it a minute ago. You said something about the awakening process. Mm. Um, I, I actually like the term woke, even though we're not supposed to say it. And there's problems with it. I get it. <laughs> but it has felt like waking up from being asleep, oh. suddenly becoming aware of so much. But that term woke implies that you've arrived. And that's what I don't want to do. I don't want to ever feel like I've arrived. Therefore, right. I can I can judge people that aren't where I am or I don't need to do any more learning because I already made it. I, I don't want to ever be there. Yeah, well, that's that's why I chose awakening process, because I'm like, OK, I'm one white girl talking to another white girl. I'm not going <laughs> to ask you about how you got became woke because I was like, oh, right. <laughs> But but yeah, that's true. It is more of a process rather that's true. Ongoing for sure. Yes, absolutely. Actually, that leads into the next question because I I wanted to know, do you find that there's a regular or constant adjustment going on inside of you? I mean, I feel like I'm constantly, I guess, shifting maybe or um, backing up and starting over, relearning maybe some things that I've already learned. Mm-hmm. Um, um, maybe not relearning, maybe not, that's not the word, but adding layers mm-hmm. onto what I've already learned. Yes. Learning them deeper. Kind of what that's like for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I try to keep putting myself in places to learn. And as long as I do that, I constantly learning something new. We have some small groups in Orlando that are trying to work on racial reconciliation issues. There's a group between Maitland and Eatonville, which are two next door neighbor towns. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Eatonville is the oldest black incorporated community in America. And Maitland is the exact same age and Lily White for the most part now (laughs) and always has been. So for to be a part of a group like that has really stretched me in terms of local history. It's one thing to learn about my relatives in New York or more about the issues behind the Civil War, but it's another to learn about the people who live within walking distance of me and what their history is and what our history is together. Mm. Great. Absolutely. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, I I found that also in talking to my friends that I've made, just understanding that there's a little bit of fear there on their part. You know, when's the next, when's the shoe going to fall, next Mm -hmm. shoe going to fall? How much can I trust her? Absolutely. I I think it's a long, slow process and I'm not anywhere near... (laughs) <laughs> the end of it. Yeah, exactly. But 
it does feel like a privilege and an adventure and a just an incredible space of growth for me at my advanced age to, <laughs> I to know. be a part of, and I'm grateful for that. Exactly. So tell me about, um, I'm thinking about Greg's mother. I'm thinking about your children, the other generations in your family. Um, mm-hmm. How are you incorporating them into all this? Well, Greg's mother is 104 and her memory comes and goes. Okay. That's not really. Yeah. I know she would have things to say about it. Her husband was Dean of Students during the integration era. And she has talked about uh, some ministries that she did many, many years ago to black communities in her area. But I don't believe she would be able to understand it at the level that that I hope I'm going toward. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um, now my my children, my daughter and her family in particular are um, also kind of following behind. Their, their generation is, is much more open and much more aware, much more willing to say, yes, this is a problem. Whereas my generation... A lot of times we'll just say it's not a problem anymore. Right. But somehow they've been able to see that it is still a problem. So they're very open, very willing. Um, We talk about things. We read some of the same books. So that's been that's been good, too. And I hope to raise my grandchildren with much more awareness than I ever had. Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Anything else you'd like to add? This has been great. I just really appreciate your, your input. And it's so, I tell you what's been wonderful is there are so many friends that we have um, from many years uh, that we've yes. got things like your Christmas letter, you know, and, <laughs> and we've talked to them and it's either been their kids or books they've read or the death of George Floyd mm-hmm. have pricked their hearts mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And they're going through the same thing that, you and I are going through and it's been a, a really a blessing to have conversations like this. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and I know we're going to talk again in a few weeks, but is there anything else that you'd like to add? I can't think of anything. Thank you so much for your podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed it and it's one more way I'm educating myself and learning more from people who are like me and people who aren't like me (laughs) right exactly exactly well that's what I'm trying to do so thank you so much I miss seeing you it's great to see your face and um, I wish (laughs) I did video as well as audio but (laughs) oh I'm glad you're not (laughs) (laughs) I know it's good that I'm sticking to this right now so so many blessings to you and Greg and please tell him hello for me and thanks so much for your time